Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Labor Pains brought to you by Women Connect and Support. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. This podcast is a place to help women and men that have experienced infertility, loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy. This is a place where we will share stories of others that have struggled with infertility, loss, and the grief. We also will have episodes where we have experts come on to help answer any questions and to give you resources to help you through your journey to have the family you desire. Today's guest are from the SHARE organization, the National SHARE organization. We previously had Barb Donahue on episode 8 speaking about the SHARE organization and her local chapter. But today we have Patty and Annie from the National SHARE organization. They are located in St. Charles, Missouri, and they are here to share all of the resources and information they have that they can, that you can utilize um, from their website or their office. And I hope that you enjoy this episode and can reach out to them or through their website to grab some resources to help you or someone you know on your journey. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Patty and Annie. Is it Ann or Annie? Annie. Annie. Welcome, Annie and Patty, to the podcast. Thank you. You're welcome. I am excited to have you guys both on to share um, all the information that you can for all of our listeners. So Patty and Ann are both from the National Share office um, in St. Charles, Missouri, and I am going to just kind of turn it over to them to introduce themselves to what they do and what SHARE, uh, the National SHARE office is. So, Patty, if you'd like to start with what you do for the SHARE organization. Well, hi, thank you for having us. Um, you are welcome. My name is Patty Budnick. Um, I've worked at the St. Charles, um, the national office here since 2013, I believe, um, and when I started, I um, was the companion coordinator, so I um, worked to help our parents that had had a loss. Um, they were trained, and they would go back in and serve families at the time of their loss at the hospital. Mm. Um, that My role has somewhat evolved, and um, I now am full-time, and I do a lot with our education programs here and our materials. Um, we have... Gosh, I think now we have 14 or 15 topic brochures that we have for families. We have um, three grief support booklets as well, um, a children's book, a children's journal. I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Um, we have our bittersweet um, hello and goodbye, which is kind of um, used for funeral planning um, at hospitals or for families themselves. Um, and Wow, that's a lot. A little of anything. We're a small staff, um, but a great organization, so we all just dive in and help one another. 
Awesome. And we're going to come back to several of those things so and talk about those more in depth. But Annie, if you would like to introduce yourself. Hi, um, my name is Annie Horton, and I am the SHARE Chapter Coordinator here. I have been with SHARE for, it'll be five years this coming May. Um, I first started with SHARE as a bereaved mom. I mm. attended our in-person support groups for a little while, and then I just felt called to um, give back like a lot of our parents do and be a part of SHARE to be able to be there for parents who've walked through similar grief as I have. Um, mm-hmm. I run the chapters here. So we have chapters all over the country and in Canada. Um, if anyone wanted to get one started, they would reach out to myself and I would help get them registered, any questions they have while they're with us. I am the person they are connected to. Um, Like Patty said, we all kind of do a little bit of everything in this office, so that's my main job title, but I am a first response person. We have several Facebook pages. Um, Patty and I help run those. We respond to the messages. Um, I do that. We have a lot of events here. I help Sarah, who runs those. I help get... um, fundraising for that. So I just do a little bit of everything. It's evolved over the last five years. Yeah. When did SHARE actually first come to be? How many years has it been in existence, do you know? I think it was in 1977. So Sister Jane Marie Lamb started SHARE, and it was really started in, while she ran SHARE, it was really the basis of listening to parents' needs, and started with the whole desire of recognizing that parents wanted to talk about their babies. So in the 70s, mm-hmm. it was a time in which families did not get a choice in their burial, and, you know, generally that happened a lot of times while moms were still hospitalized. Yeah. Um, they didn't get to see or hold their babies or given the option to. Um, so she let parents have their voices and let them talk and come together. Um, and that's really kind of how SHARE has continued. Um, we try to really look at and listen to each each family. We recognize that everyone's grief is different. Um, there's not a set way to grieve. There's not a wrong way. Um, and with that, I think, is why we have so many different programs, so many different grief support options, why we're always looking for other resources for families because um, each family is different. Each person is different in that family. So. You need a lot of different options for parents um, and their family and friends to be able to, like, grieve and process this type of loss. Yeah, yeah. And I love that you guys are just – it just sounds like you're open to so many things and expanding because you're right. People grieve in so many different ways, and they learn in so many different ways, and they need support in so many different ways. So that is huge. So it's been around a very long time. I have never had never heard of it until about, oh, gosh, I guess about a year and a half ago. Um, even though I had lost, had miscarriages and my daughters, uh, none of us were familiar with it. And so I am glad that I have been connected um, to ShareBase because I believe it's a great organization and myself would love to start supporting it more. 
for sure. And so it's interesting that you said, and I love that, that you guys are in Canada, so nationwide and also in Canada. So you've reached very far. So if someone wants to start a chapter, they just reach out to you. I assume there's some classes and things that they need to do to start to start that group. So it's all kind of the same in every area. Would correct. that be correct? Okay. My information is on our website, and we have Perfect. a tab where it says start a chapter. Um, and anyone is welcome to email me. So you would contact me. We have an application process. Um, You'd fill that out. I would approve it with our director here, and then once that's been approved, you, we do ask for references and those mm -hmm. sorts of things. So I call and um, check all that out, and then once you're approved, we have our training, which Patty does an awesome job leading. Mm -hmm. um, and you need to attend those. Well, it's a one-time training. It's two days, um, and we go over a slew of topics. There's a lot of information given to those who attend and um, to kind of help you start and prepare and begin your chapter in your area. So yes, all the chapters are basically started the same, but then those who run them, they have a lot of uh, ability to make it their own to tailor how the parents in their community um, may need different support. So each chapter is given the same exact information, but they might support their parents a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And maybe how we do here, it's just whatever works best in their community. Sure, and every community is definitely different, you know, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and with saying that, are most of the chapters, this, this is what I'm familiar with, so that's why I'm asking this question, are most of the chapters affiliated with a hospital? Or are there chapters that are not affiliated with hospitals? They're not all hospital affiliated. It's about okay. half. There might be a few more chapters uh, that identify within a hospital program. But we do get a lot of parents who have attended a group, maybe in a hospital or a community group, and they have this desire to start their own program mm -hmm. and um, give back to their community. So it's about half and half. We have a lot of nurses and therapists who begin their program, but also a lot of parents who have a strong desire to begin one in their own community. Okay. Yeah, I could understand. That makes sense to me that just like with you, um, and, and that's what I'm finding a lot on the podcast is we as women especially, you know, um, men, men somewhat, but I, and, and I don't want to say only women, but I think women have a huge desire to um, give back in ways that things that they have experienced, the loss and all of that, they really want to help other women that are going through that same thing because of feeling so alone when they went through it themselves. So I can totally understand why they want to give back and they yeah, start a chapter or whatever. a lot of, including myself, you know, not everything goes perfect when you lose a baby, and there's a mm. lot of um, people who may not say the right thing or do the right thing, but they're trying. And a lot of lost parents, their desire is to help people through their grief in ways that people weren't that supportive for them, so mm. that they can fill those gaps. And like myself, I can be more support to someone who's had a loss, 
because I we know exactly what they're going through and we know um, yeah the best way to support them yes you know so yeah yeah well thank you we have a lot of dads involved in our community so it's not such a taboo thing we talk to a lot of dads I talk to a lot of dads um, personally I don't know why that has been but I have had a lot of conversations with dads who are eager to help and be a part of this lost community because they have felt alone. And my own husband, he attended groups with me. He helps out at chair. However, he can't. Most of our husbands all help out um, and want to be supportive in ways that maybe they didn't feel supported as a dad, too. Well, and I think that's so true that the dads aren't supported. You know, they're supposed to be tough and and just hold it all together a lot of times. And so I'm just so glad to hear you say that, that the dads are getting really involved. I love that. I love that they're getting involved because it's very important for them. Um, Early on, um, when I started doing the podcast, I remember a mom saying that her husband said to her, Jeff, how he was doing or whatever. And, and he just broke down and he said, I lost a child too. Yeah. You know, they feel very um, secluded. So I'm glad to hear that that's shifting for them, that they're speaking up. That's great. That's, that's something great. we also try to bring up at our trainings when, you know, we have our sharing and caring training that Andy mentioned um, we have a lot of professionals there that are caregivers that are we at the bedside, and we try to tell them, you know, the dads are all often forgotten, um, dads and siblings, but the fathers, you know, they go back to work first generally, and they are mm-hmm. asked somebody else, you know, how's your partner doing, how's your wife doing, but they're not being asked how they're doing. Um, so we really try to teach and put that out there um, to our caregivers that, you know, they have to express to parents how it's difficult to grieve as a couple but how also it's different for each one of those parents. Um, The experience for the mom is going to be different for the experience of the dad. Um, And you even take in and you can visualize um, in a hospital room like how that is for each person. Um, As a mom, um, my delivery is a little bit different and the things I'm remembering about the hospital stay is different than what my husband would be, you know, Mm. thinking of. So, um, it, it's going to be a different type of grief for each person. Um, and for, you know, the man and a woman, it is different. But as a society, we tend to, like, stereotype that and think that the dad is not going to be as sensitive, and that's not often the case. And when you go through something traumatic or when you go through any grief, that really can change. You know, how you feel and deal with things really can shift. So um, it's really important to keep open-minded about um, the families that we serve. Yeah, and I... In learning more and more, you know, how women that have gone through those traumatic losses, they are different people. It really has changed them, you know, um, to their core. Yeah, absolutely. And everything that they do, you know, how they deal with things, you know, all of that has changed. So I, I'm loving about uh, the the men. That that's amazing. So you you kind of alluded to, and I think Patty talked about it a little bit. 
so you you um, train people to go into the hospital when there's a loss. Let's talk a little bit about that, how the training and what they do when they go in to talk to that family. So that's what we can call our companion program. Um, okay. Our companions are parents or grandparents as well. Um, that the loss has been at least a year and a half, if not two years prior. Um, and it's not that they're not grieving anymore at that time. We find that it generally takes a bad amount of time um, and sometimes longer for some people, sometimes maybe a little bit sooner. Um, but we find that at that point it is a little bit easier to talk about your own loss um, and your own baby without it being as hurtful or as emotional. Um, we tell our caregivers, we tell our parents, it's okay to cry with the family, but you don't want it to be to where they are consoling you. So you want to be able to share your story with another family without it being that you are consuming the situation. Um, you want to say it in, like that it's in a, now in a healing fashion. Um, and it doesn't mean that our companions have all had um, a perfect time grieving. Um, they're, you know, we all get in situations or you get times in which, you know, your life is a little bit more messy. Um, but it is something really impactful as, um, as a professional, as a bereaved parent, as um, a worker at CHAIR, to see an interaction between two bereaved parents as a companion and a new mom. They really see that companion as um, someone that has walked that same path and has mm -hmm. healed and is thriving and doing good. So when you're going through your loss at that time, you just feel like, this would have never happened. How could this have ever happened? You feel very alone and isolated. So to see somebody sit next to you that has been through it and is just there solely to help you and to talk about that, it is very, um, very helpful. Um, mm -hmm. There's really no good way to describe it. Um, so our training, we ask that our companions go through, it's a one-day training program. And um, it's not that we're telling them something necessarily um, different or what they've done right or wrong, but again, they view their loss and everything is different than what it might be for somebody else. So um, I had an early pregnancy loss. I did not experience the loss of a stillbirth. So to support somebody who's had a stillbirth, um, training kind of can open your eyes to see like what things may be a little bit different for that family. Um, or when you're grieving, it's hard to see how other people in your family are grieving. So those are the kind of things we try to address um, in our training. And then our companions can be utilized, um, here in our office we utilize them for um, first response if a family member calls and they want to connect with another parent. We utilize companions at some of our events. Um, we do a shared burial program through our local hospitals. We like to have, um, we like to have one of our, or at least, you know, one or two companions there to be able to talk with families. Um, we have, our, like you mentioned earlier, we have a large walk. We have parents that volunteer there. Um, so we use them in a lot of a lot of different ways. They also help facilitate our support groups. So we do have our in-person support group meeting again in our office. Um, so we have one person on staff that um, facilitates the group, and then we have one of our parent companions that co-facilitates it. We also have um, companions that co-facilitate our online support groups. So we utilize them in those fashions. 
um, hospitals before um, COVID and the pandemic, they would have a list of um, our companions that they could call. So we had, let's say there's 20 of our companions and there is maybe four that will go to this hospital and five that will go to a different hospital. So those shared coordinators will call those companions directly to say that they have a family that um, is wanting a companion or that they need a companion at the bedside. And in that role is their um, primary thing is to provide grief support, to um, sit and just be present with the family and offer support. Um, they're there, they can do help the nurse and the staff do memory making if they want them to do that. Um, but I, I will say vastly it is mostly for um, emotional support. And when I've served in that role, I will say it's not even just the family members and the parents. Um, sometimes it's the staff um, that need that also, just to have that extra person there to rely on, but then also maybe ask questions. Um, it's not uncommon at all for the caregivers to say, like, well, what can I do? Or, like, is this the right thing to do or the right thing to say? Um, so it's kind of just helpful all around to have that extra person um, as part of your program. Wow, they do a lot. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> that is, that's awesome. Yeah, I guess with COVID, I guess they're not going, so all of that would be to the hospitals oh, all over this phone. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully that will uh, change in the next few months because I could see where that would be so beneficial. Yeah, I hope it does change. You know, for those families. So I I love that that, that they do go to the hospitals and, and help there with, like you said, I think you called it the memory making. And I assume then for even, uh, you had mentioned the funeral, if a funeral with the stillborn, funeral preparation and stuff like that. To me, that's what, when interviewing other moms, that's been really hard, you know. Yeah. It's probably the first time they've had to do something like that. Yeah, that's and, a big part of it. Um, you know, you're working with childbearing families, young families, a lot of them have never, of course, had to plan a funeral, more or less. Some of them have never even attended funerals or been a part of one. Yeah. So, you know, to have to, you know, do that for your own child is extremely difficult, but then it's just a complete, you know, loss of where to start and what to do. And um, I think parents just need to be told a lot of times, like, it's okay to do some of these things. Like, they don't know that they can even take pictures of their baby or that, you know, it's okay to mm -hmm. hold their baby and, you know, what's okay at a funeral and, um, so just some of those little things just try to make it a little bit more um, natural for them and make them feel a little bit more comfortable doing some of those things. Yeah. Well, I think that that's why this, you know, particular um, interview with you guys and talk is so beneficial for the podcast because I have had guests over and over and over again say, I wish I would have, you know, gotten pictures. I wish I would have taken more time, you know, with my child. I wish I would have even, you know, held my child right before the funeral service or, you know, spent more time after I left the hospital, you know, in the funeral home dressing my child. There's many things that can be done, and so I'm glad to hear you say that the companions really help with all of that so that those parents know pretty much a lot of times the sky's the limit, you know, um, and don't feel bad that you want to hold, you know, your baby that has passed away. That's not 
weird. It's not, you know, crazy. It's normal. Yeah, and our training, you know, we cover that a lot. We get a lot of young nurses, maybe who've never experienced a loss. Um, really, any nurse, we ha sometimes have them come and they've ne they are unsure what to do. And so Patty and Rose go over, like, you can tell your families, you can hold the baby, you have rights as parents as to what, you know, you it is your baby and you can do X, Y, Z. Um, so Patty and Rose, they do an excellent job in teaching the nurses and the staff and therapists of all the things that you are able to do that, you know, as a mom walking through that, you just don't know really what it is you can and can't do. Right, right, yeah. So do you also, this is just came off my head, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. So I worked for, gosh, 15 years at a funeral home. And so are they people that you guys meet with, train with in any way? Like the funeral care com community? Yeah, funeral directors. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. We have okay. worked closely with several of our funeral homes um, in our area, and then we have a lot of our share chapters, um, you know, in the St. Charles and St. Louis area that they work closely with, you know, funeral homes um, that support their hospital or their program. Um, as far as training education, we have had some of them um, attend our training, and we've had some of them presented our training. Um, funeral care providers, they do have a separate organization that they um, require, like, their certifi certification and training from. Um, but overall, they find, like, our training to be very valuable because we have a different bit of a different glitch here of what we focus on, and that's not necessarily what their training, you know, will focus on is pregnancy loss and, you know, um, and infancy. So, you know, they're looking at more of um, typically an adult loss and, you mm -hmm. know, grief overall for the family. And unfortunately, yeah. a lot of funeral homes don't have the resources to provide ongoing support. So a lot of it, um, I would really encourage anybody that's, like, in a care setting for a family to know, like, where outside of your program, if you can't, like, provide ongoing support, like, who can? So that's a lot of times where we come in. You know, a funeral home may, like, refer families to us because they don't have support groups or, like, support materials for someone in this situation. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I just mention that because I've been in that field, you know, for a long time. And we had some really good directors that worked you know, there were only certain people that could go to the hospital and talk to a, a mom and dad. You know, um, it takes a special person. And it takes a very special person to do all that you guys are doing. You know, someone with a lot of compassion to do what you're doing. So now you mentioned earlier, so that's kind of the training. And I think those are all great things. Can anyone go through training to just um, to be a companion, you said? Uh, we would like um, our parents and grandparents, we'd like them to be at least a year and a half after their loss. Um, okay. So that's yeah. the main stipulation. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of our parents that we we know through our own support groups, um, you know, we know them personally, and so we can recommend them. If it is um, a parent that wants to come from outside of the state or outside of our area, we can always talk with, um, you know, somebody from their program to see, you know, what is the purpose of them coming to training? Like, 
what is the goal that they are working for. We've had people attend training from out of state, and they're wanting to start a companion program in their community or at a mm. hospital, you know. So we kind of then just work with them further on how they can, you know, help get that going in their area. Awesome. Awesome. That's Maybe great. Because, um, you know, we've had a, a few grandparents come through and do the, the, the companion training, but then we have several that, you know, just volunteer through our office as well. Um, they are a great resource um, to have, and it provides such a huge support for them to be involved. Um, so it's really um, a positive on both sides. Um, they provide great support for others, but it is um, very helpful to them to be involved and, you know, see how, you know, impactful their grandchild was um, to them. So. Um, I would really, you know, as much as like we've talked about fathers, it's something to also think about is like the grandparents. Yeah, there's not a lot of support for them. You know, I'm finding that more and more. And so that's great that you guys reach out and allow them to be a support for others as well. That's great. That's great. So you guys also indicated that you have a lot of resources as far as um, brochures and things. And it sounds like that's very, very broad. So we can talk a little bit about what those brochures are, some of those resources, so that if someone needs something, you can maybe explain how they get their hands on those things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We have um, packets for parents that we can send if they've had an early pregnancy loss or if they've had um, a later um, loss um, of an infant or a stillborn. Um, we provide all of that to parents um, and grandparents free of charge. Um, so they can request that on our website. Um, there's just a button to push that says request a packet, and we can either email them information or we can mail them hard copies of our materials. Okay. Uh, we can also send a professional packet with all of those materials um, out also. So if it's a professional that's like looking to find other materials to support parents in their program, we can send out a sample of our materials for them as well. Um, we have topics as far as specific for an early loss, um, stillbirth, um, a loss of a newborn, um, father's grief, grandparents' grief, children's grief, um, lactation after loss, um, couples. Yeah, a couple mm-hmm. for sure, um, understanding the grief process, so just kind of an overall one, um, creating keepsakes, so for parents that are want to like try to find ways to continue um, to find ways to honor their baby. Um, we have one um, that is actually requested pretty often, and it's ways to support a parent. Um, that's one that we can recommend, and parents often, probably almost every parent that we support um, has a story or a situation in which they feel unsupported or have had, you know, hurtful comments from family or friends. So sometimes giving that brochure um, is just a way to help others understand, like, what a parent may be going through and what they may need. Um, we have booklets that have a little bit more information for early loss or stillbirth, and then one also for if a family is trying to get pregnant again or is pregnant again after a loss. So that's a very hard and difficult time for them as well. So um, we have an online support group for those families as well, and then we have um, we have one of those groups we, uh, monthly, but then we have a support group that is weekly for you know a family that's at any type of loss. Wow. Yeah, we touched on a couple things that really kind of hit me, um, just supporting um, those those families, uh, educating those that are supporting the families. 
on things to do, things not to do, kind of that, you said a brochure about that, which I think is huge. I think as a society, we really don't know how to support them and to educate people on how to support um, those grieving parents is huge. Um, We're learning, um, and there's so many times in the episodes, prior episodes that people have said, you know, something hurtful had been said to them. But I think the parent, too, needs to understand that this is all new for everybody, and there was no um, intent to, to hurt them. They're just doing the best that they can, you know, with what they know. But if we can, as a society, educate people to be aware of how their words are being received, um, that would be a, an amazing, great thing for us to do as a society. So it sounds like you've got a brochure that helps with that, which I love. Totally love that. So good. So any of that, you said just um, – Go to the website um, and request that information. That can all be sent. Correct. To, to the website them. is www.nationalshare.org. Awesome, awesome. And I will make sure that I put that in the um, show notes as well if someone didn't grab it there why she, she said it. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, anything else that you guys want to talk about? We kind of talked about the trainings, the brochures, kind of the education, um, the support groups. Um, You indicated that those are starting again in person, but you have a lot of online support so people don't have to be from the local area, I guess, for those online support groups. Correct. We do have families that have called and asked, you know, if there's a support group meeting in their area. Um, our chapters and, you know, we list on our website support that's in your area or in your state. Um, people are not calling us regularly, and we're not getting in touch with them necessarily regularly to find out if they're meeting in person or not. So okay. yeah. well. our experience, greatly hospitals are not meeting um, for support groups in person yet. Um, and I think that that's why, you know, it's, again, it's important that we have the online groups so there's still an option for everyone. Um, But we are hearing more and more where people are starting to meet in person. So hopefully um, that's starting to become a little bit more available. And if not now, then hopefully by late spring in the summer, that will be up and going a little bit better for families. Yeah, and I think they definitely need that, you know, that in-person support. Um, So I'm sure it's been very difficult over the last year for those families um, to not have that um, personal and Annie mentioned earlier also, we have our parent Facebook pages, so that's also um, a way that parents can kind of connect with others. And not everybody on there is very, I would say, like active or making their own posts and their own comments, but sometimes just reading through what people have posted, it just tell, is a little bit affirming um, to them, um, maybe helps them feel a little less isolated at the way they're feeling and their experience, they're not alone. So I think sometimes mm-hmm. those groups can be very helpful as well. Yeah, yeah. And and that is so true. Um, I hear over and over and over again how alone um, families feel when they're going through um, the loss. Um, and they said, you know, they indicate that they're surrounded by people, but you still feel that aloneness, like um, you're the only one that's and, – and it's different for everyone, so I totally understand that, that feeling, but um, – you know, to make sure that we're surrounding them um, with support is huge, Um, you know, 
So that's great. Um, so anything else I want to kind of bring it back to you guys. We've touched on a lot of things. Is there anything else that you feel like the listeners especially uh, need to know ways that they can uh, support you guys or ways that you can support them? Um, I think my biggest thing for families going through this, I would want them to know that they are not alone, that we are always here. Um, mm-hmm. If we don't have a resource or something that is um, what they're looking for, then we're going to work to try to find something um, for them. Um, but that um, when we're in this office, um, we're accessible. We want to be able to talk with them um, and meet them where they're at in their grief and help them in any way we can. Um, and for families, whether it's a recent loss or, you know, it's been a year or years later, um, we want to be able to help them also understand that there are ways that they can still stay connected to their baby. So, um you know, there's many ways to do that through our office, um, and there's ways for them to do that individually. So, um, we have families that, you know, like participate in our companion program. We have families that volunteer at our events or in our office. We have families that write for our online magazine. So, mm-hmm. there are so many different things that you can do. But um, just as we continue to grieve, we continue to love our babies. So, um, you know, we are always here to help um, families um, connect with support, but then also kind of connect with one another. That's awesome. That's awesome. It is just amazing to me that I, you know, you guys have been around for a long, long time and that I was just really unaware um, and uneducated about SHARE. Um, I would say probably of the episodes that I've recorded, there is a good number of people that have gotten support through SHARE. uh, And I love that, that the word is definitely out and, and getting out further for people to find you and I think just with social media as well people are communicating that more uh, readily and easily and so that that's um, a huge huge um, advantage and a huge help for those families um, that have that are going through loss or have gone through loss um, and you touched on this was interesting at the very beginning and it just surfaced back in my head so I want to bring it up because I feel like um, Things that come to our heart and in our mind are important to share because uh, someone else may uh, need that information. Um, you had indicated that years ago when this started, why it started was women were still in the hospital and babies were being buried. And so that is exactly on my husband's side and, I'm, and I have a sibling that that, that thing, that happened, that my um mother-in-law had no idea where her baby was even buried and I just it it just breaks my heart to know that my husband has a sibling somewhere buried that has nowhere has no idea where that baby is um so I'm just so glad and I know on my side I have a sibling that was I know where he's buried and I was there when he was buried but my mom was not, and um, that's hard. And so just to to really um, bring to those parents, maybe grandparents, that may have had that loss years ago, um, that a group like this was kind of started with a lot of that in mind um, means a lot to me uh, personally. 
So I'm, I'm so thankful for the group that you guys have and that you guys continue to, to run <laughs> for all of us. I love that. Well, yes, I thank you again for having us because it just brings so much more of an awareness of, um, of SHARE, but really of our mission um, to support families. Yes, yes. So, yeah, we'll conclude unless there's something else that, you know, has come to you guys' mind or heart that you'd like to share with the audience um, on any other support that you have. Um, I'll make sure that in the show notes we put the website. That seems to be uh, the, the best place to find all of the information that you guys have. But is there anything else, um, Patty or Annie, that you would like to share with the listeners today? No, I don't think we have anything else to share, but just that for the moms that are listening, dads, grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends, um, we're so sorry for your loss, and we're always here, and those of us within this building and who work with SHARE, uh, we're always grieving alongside of you, and each loss hits us like the first one every time, uh, and our goal is really just to give you the best support we can. Um, and you're always welcome to reach out. We're always here. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you both so much for taking some time today to share with us. Yeah, awesome. thank you, thank you so you much. Wow, thank you so much. Patty and Annie for coming on today to share so much information that you guys have. So much experience goes behind the National Share Organization. I hope that uh, the listeners have really gained some great information and, and can take the time to research all of the resources that you guys have. Thank you again for sharing all that. And to the listeners, I appreciate you so much taking some of your precious time today to listen. I hope that this has been, gosh, just so informative for you. They, I myself went on um, the website after interviewing Patty and Annie and there is so much information there, more than they even talked about in this episode. So make sure you take some time to go there and check out all they have. You may not need those resources now. You may need them later for someone or yourself, but there's probably something there now that you could share with someone that is struggling. And of course, if you have found this episode beneficial to you, please write us a review. We would so much appreciate that. And if you haven't already, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And as always, the very most important thing for you to do is share this podcast with that person that you know that is feeling alone, that is struggling with loss. Sharing this podcast is just so beneficial um, to them, to you. And if you need to connect with me, you can do that either by email at Teresa, and that's T-E-R-E-S-A 
www.womenconnect2019 at gmail.com or on Facebook at Women Connect and Support. Um, and then all that information, as always, will be in the show notes. And if you need to uh, reach out to Patty or Annie, again, their website is nationalshare.org. And that also will be in the show notes if you've missed it. So we know that when we share our stories, it's so beneficial to others. So I am always asking my listeners if you would like to share your story or you know someone that would like to share their stories, reach out to me by email or at Women Connect because we know that sharing our stories is just so very powerful and will always inspire others and give them hope.